Clovis, building a healthy life together. What's up, everybody? Justin Nault here with another piece of coronavirus content for you. Can you believe it? Are we still talking about this? Yes, absolutely. It's still very important. It's still top of mind for just about every living human being right now. But this may be the most important piece of coronavirus content I've made because I now have definitive data to back up the claim that I have been making for over four weeks now. And that is that your metabolic health is the single most important thing to potentially protect you from the serious problems that can arise from coronavirus. Now, again, I am not saying that diet can prevent infection. That would be irresponsible and untrue. I am not saying that diet can cure anything. I am not a doctor. This is not medical advice. But understand that the largest study in the U.S. of over 4,000 COVID-19 patients in the hotspot of New York City has proven that the number one chronic condition putting you at the highest risk of death from COVID-19 is obesity. That is unbelievable. If you really stop and think about it, the fact that just run-of-the-mill obesity puts you at an even higher risk for death than even previous lung conditions or cardiovascular disease. That is insane. So it is critical that you hear the message of this podcast episode. It is critical that you understand that you and you alone are in complete control of your current and future metabolic health. And I have created a free ebook for you. It is 100% free. Just go to IamClovis.com slash coronavirus. All one word. IamClovis.com slash coronavirus. Download this ebook. It is a five-step protocol for how to take full responsibility and take back your metabolic health using simple lifestyle changes. Ignore everything else. It is absolutely ridiculous to get hung up on masks or hand sanitizer or not touching packages delivered to your house or giving a crap about hydroxychloroquine when your metabolic health is in shambles. If you are one of these people, one of the millions and millions and millions of people who are sitting home, binge-watching TV, eating nothing but processed junk food, drinking soda, and drinking alcohol, you are a crazy person. I don't know how else to say this at this point. It is so cut and dry that if that is how you're living your life, you are a crazy person and you have a death wish. I, I don't know how else to say it at this point. There is no more sugarcoating this. Um, anyway, I will let this, this episode speak for itself, dig into the episode, really take this message to heart, understand that America has completely forgotten what healthy people look like, and we need to take back our health. We need to take back the future of the human species, and the only way to do that is to improve the health of our species globally. This is one of the most important challenges we have ever faced as a society, as a species. Literally, one of the most important and critical times in human history. It is absolutely imperative that you fix your metabolic health, that you improve your metabolic health. No matter where your metabolic health is right now, we can improve it, I guarantee you, with simple lifestyle changes. Dig into this episode, truly soak in the message, and start making changes today. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to this podcast and leave me a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. I know that leaving a podcast review can be quite tricky, so I have made this as easy as possible for you. All you have to do is visit ratethispodcast.com slash Clovis. Again, ratethispodcast.com slash Clovis. I've also included this link in the show notes, so you can just click that link and it will show you a list of podcast platforms. Select your favorite podcast platform and you will see step-by-step on-screen instructions for exactly how to leave a podcast review.
each and every review counts. It really, really helps, and it truly means the world to me. Thank you. As always, this episode is brought to you by Clovis. I am the founder and CEO of Clovis, and I am in the business of changing people's lives for the better. I am a certified nutritional therapist, and I have helped over 1,000 people just like you transform their health and wellness. And I want to work with you. To prove it, I'm going to give you a free seven-day trial, which will give you full-blown access to all of the exclusive members-only content that Clovis has to offer. Just visit IamClovis.com start. I-A-M-C-L-O-V-I-S dot com slash start. You will find videos of yours truly and you will find some incredible transformation stories from real life Clovis clients. You will be shocked by the incredible stories that these brave individuals have to tell. Stories of full-blown life transformation. 50 pounds in eight weeks, 40 pounds in 60 days, 19 pounds in 21 days, 100 pounds in six months, you name it, I have a client who has done it, and you can too. Check out IamClovis.com slash start and get started with your free trial today. If you'd like to check out my physical products, I am offering you a very special deal on the Perfect Paleo Powder, 30% off your first purchase. In fact, that 30% discount will be applied to your entire cart for your first purchase at IamClovis.com. Head over to IamClovis.com, check out the Perfect Paleo Powder and all the other products that I have available, and you will get 30% off your first purchase. Just use promo code PERFECTPODCAST, all one word, P-E-R-F-E-C-T-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, Perfect Podcast, all one word. Apply this discount code at checkout, and you will receive 30% off your entire first purchase order. Just visit IamClovis.com to grab this special deal. All right, let's get on with the episode. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? It's Justin. Welcome to Live Ask Me Anything number 110. You know what we got to do? We got to make sure everything's working properly, right? We are at facebook.com slash the Clovis Culture. I'm going to refresh this page real quick. I'm going to make sure I can see myself. Got the camera working, which is awesome. That's always tricky with Facebook. Okay, I can see myself. Cool. I'm going to click click to expand. Cool. That's going to allow me to see comments and stuff. Comments have been really, really wonky on Facebook Live, so I really, really hope that this goes well. I'm sorry that comments have been so crappy. Sometimes I can't see them. Sometimes people watching the Facebook Live can't see the comments. It's a real bummer. Um, I think Facebook is just having some legit issues since they changed over to this new platform. But that's all right. I'm still going to hit you with a ton of really good information. What's up, Michelle? How's it going? We'll let some people get in here, get in a live chat. And remember, this is all public, so you can share. You can share it on your timeline. You can hit the happy button, the love button, the like button, the thumbs up, the smiley face, the angry face, whatever. I'm probably going to piss some people off this episode for sure. Like, I'm real certain that I'm going to piss some people off, particularly in a specific portion of this AMA. But it's cool. Things need to be said. We got to talk about specific things because there are too many people running around saying things that are completely inaccurate. And it's not just that people are saying things that are inaccurate. It's that people are saying things that are wildly distracting from what's actually important and from what people should actually be focusing on. So that's what I'm going to really do, try to do a good job of tonight. I'm going to try my very best to do a good job of helping you understand exactly what you should focus on AMA 110, okay? So, got the podcast rolling. That's good to go. 
Uh, got my notes up here. Notes for you. Then we got uh, <laughs> Michelle Renee. This was going to be a good one. Yes, this is going to be a good one. For sure. I think you're going to like it. And yes, we're talking about coronavirus, but this also goes far, far, far beyond coronavirus and just exposes what I have written on the board here. And that is America and health. So let's just dive in because I got a lot of information to get to and started on time tonight, which is nice. Everything was set up. Everything went really well, like just went really well. That's super rare that everything works perfectly. So let's dive in. More people will come in here, I'm sure. And we're going to hit this thing hard. So the title of tonight's episode is America has no idea what healthy is. Truly, America really has no idea what healthy is. And what we're going to talk about is how this coronavirus thing has completely exposed the medical mainstream for what it is, which is entirely clueless, okay? So we're going to talk about these things. Just when I thought I could actually calm down and not make any more coronavirus content, any more COVID-19 content, things just kept getting crazier. So people are still arguing that we should all be terrified. COVID-19 is killing everybody. It's killing all kinds of people. It doesn't matter what kind, including healthy people. People are dying from this thing. And now I have these keyboard warriors who, mind you, they've never read a single textbook even remotely related to the human body in their entire lives. And they're telling me that I'm somehow irresponsible for saying things like healthy people truly healthy people probably shouldn't be all that worried about this thing, okay? But these people that are getting all angry at me, they're the sheeple. They, it's what I call the sheeple. It's a term that I use that people don't like, but the sheeple are just going to blindly feed whatever the mainstream news media of their choosing feeds them. That's all that they're going to worry about. That's it, okay? They're just blindly doing what big daddy government and big daddy pharma tells them to do. I don't run my life that way. Personally, I have said this before and I will say it again. My stance on coronavirus and how to prepare yourself has not changed at all since the first piece of coronavirus content I made. I actually thought that by now with the, the, the amount of information that we're getting hit with in the face constantly 24 seven, I would have thought for sure that some of my opinions on coronavirus would have changed significantly by now because of all that information, but my opinion has changed zero on this thing at all. The only difference now, part of the reason I did this episode, is because now I have hard data to back up what I've been telling you for over a month now. Literally over a month, exactly what I've been saying to you has now been proven by hard data. That's what we're going to dig into tonight. And that is that the importance of metabolic health is everything. And this absurd claim that COVID-19 is wiping out healthy people is complete nonsense, okay? So this episode is going to help you understand why your overall metabolic health should literally be the number one thing that you worry about above everything else. You should be worried about your metabolic health right now above hydroxychloroquine, above zinc, above antibiotics, above N95 masks, above hand sanitizers, above grabbing packages off your front porch that might be infected with coronavirus, above whether or not Trump wants his name on the stimulus checks. Oh my God. Focus on what matters. Okay. And that is your metabolic health right now above everything else. It's the number one thing you should be focused on period. And I'm going to tell you why. Now I'm going to preface this. You guys know I love to do a preface. Let me preface this episode, everybody, by telling you that I am not claiming and I have never claimed, not once have I claimed that diet and lifestyle can prevent a coronavirus infection. That would be incorrect and irresponsible. 
Go back through all the content I've ever made. I dare you. And find a time when I've said that. It didn't happen. Let's just get that out of the way, okay? I'm also not saying that there has never been or will never be a truly metabolically healthy person killed by coronavirus. There could be genetic factors, there could be environmental factors, there could be rare disorders we don't even know about yet, on and on and on. In all aspects of life and health and nutrition, fitness and everything, there will always be extreme outliers that you can find. There will always be, okay? But it might be a very long time before we know the true cause of why these people suffered a specific outcome. We just don't know right now. It's a novel virus, everybody. So I just want to go over this thing in detail because I don't think people understand my argument that COVID-19 is not killing healthy people, okay? It is simply killing a very, very, very small number of people who do not suffer from diagnosed medical conditions. Now, notice how I am very carefully saying people that do not suffer from diagnosed medical conditions. I am not saying healthy people. Because those two definitions are worlds apart. Free from disease and healthy are two very different things. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to start by talking about metabolic in health in America in general. Okay? So let's talk America health, American health by the numbers. So how can it be that we know 88% of the population suffers from some level of insulin resistance, which is irrefutably a certain level of metabolic dysfunction. 88% of America is 264 million people, okay? But the CDC states that only 30% of the population, or 88 million people, have prediabetes, okay? So again, this number, 264 million people suffer from metabolic dysfunction, some level of insulin resistance. But the CDC states that only 88 million people have prediabetes, What's the explanation? The explanation is mainstream medical reference ranges. That's what I'm here to talk to you about tonight. Normal reference ranges are used to diagnose diseases in America. By these standards, only 10.5% of the population has diagnosed diabetes. 95% of those cases being type 2 diabetes, which is completely preventable and completely reversible by lifestyle intervention. Whoa. But that's only about 30 million diagnosed type 2 diabetics. 30 million is a far cry from 264 million people suffering from some level of insulin resistance. But we know that insulin resistance leads to prediabetes, leads directly to type 2 diabetes, okay? So with 88% of people that are well on their way to type 2 diabetes, which is a progressive disease, it gets worse over time, right? So these definitions of metabolic syndrome, prediabetes, diabetes, they start to just make no sense and all blend together after a while, in all honesty. So I'll give you a hint. Any level of insulin resistance is bad. You don't want to be insulin resistant in any severity, low severity, high severity, whatever. You just don't want to be insulin resistant when you're dealing with a progressive chronic disease that leads to type 2 diabetes and all sorts of health complications that come along with that. So let's talk about how diabetes is diagnosed in America. This is very important. Let me erase this. We're talking about the primary ways that diabetes is diagnosed, okay? So they'll take a, call this uh, fasted glucose, 
They'll take a fasted glucose reading. They're gonna test the amount of sugar in your blood after fasting for longer than eight hours. And they're gonna tell you that if you're above 126, this is uh, milligrams per deciliter, okay? So if you're above 126, they're gonna diagnose you type two diabetic. Then they might measure something called HbA1c. Now, HbA1c is your blood glucose levels, basically your average blood glucose levels over time, about three months, okay? So they want, they're gonna say that if you're at 6.5% or higher, they're gonna diagnose you type two diabetics. So again, we're going through the, the, the primary ways that they diagnose diabetes in America. Fasted glucose, HbA1c, and then we have something called the oral glucose tolerance test, okay? So oral glucose tolerance test. So you have the oral glucose tolerance test. You guys might remember when I did my episode becoming your own nutritionist and I did all the different carbohydrate testing. I actually ran an oral glucose tolerance test on myself, which is ridiculous. It's the most insane test of all time. It's so stupid, right? You're literally taking 75 grams of pure glucose, usually in the form of dextrose, dumping it in water, chugging it down, and then measuring your blood glucose two hours later. Let me tell you, 75 grams of pure, unadulterated glucose in water doesn't exist anywhere in nature. You can't just chug 75 grams of pure glucose. That exists nowhere in nature. This is a completely unnatural test. It makes no sense at all. It's so stupid, okay? But this is one of the things that they'll do. Now, two hours later, if your blood glucose is over 200, that's milligrams per deciliter again, if you come in at over 200, they're going to diagnose you type 2 diabetic. So these are the things that will get you labeled the type 2 diabetic in America. We're going to talk about why this is a huge problem. The huge problem with this, this 126, this 6.5%, and this 200 milligrams per deciliter, is every functional medicine doctor that I've ever interviewed, many of them now personal friends of mine who I talk to quite frequently, particularly when there's a global pandemic, any functional medicine doctor that I have been a patient of or even just spoken to in passing and maybe mentioned the topic of blood glucose, every single one of them agrees that these numbers are astronomically off the charts, high and ridiculous, okay? So the same thing goes for insulin. Fasted insulin by mainstream labs, a normal fasted insulin is 10 to 20 microunits per milliliter, okay? So if we say fasted insulin, and we'll say 10 to 20, that equals normal. 10 to 20 microunits per milliliter is normal for fasted insulin, okay? Quote unquote, normal. But I want you to understand that people with a fasted insulin level of just eight, remember, these are not pathological numbers. They're saying 20 or higher is a problem, okay? They're saying 10 to 20 is normal. If you have a fasted insulin level of just eight, you have a two times higher risk of developing prediabetes than somebody with a fasted insulin of five. Now, I wanna see everybody under five if I'm going to test fasting blood, I mean, fasted insulin in somebody, but I'm not a doctor. I can't give you medical advice. This is not medical advice, okay? So I need you guys to understand this normal, this is crazy. 10 to 20 is normal. And when you have eight as your fasted insulin, you have a two times higher risk of prediabetes than someone with just a five. Think about that. When you go from five to 10 to 20 and they're calling that normal, this is staggering, okay? Now the same thing goes for blood glucose. When I did those carb experiments, 
what I did was, I, according to research that I had read, according to the book Wired to Eat, guidance from my friend Rob Wolf, I did this carbohydrate test. If you guys remember, I had a continuous blood glucose monitor stuck inside my love handle, measuring my glucose 24 hours a day, seven days a week, for weeks. Then I had an additional precision extra blood glucose monitor. I'm taking finger pricks three to seven times a day, testing all these different foods, right? So I was testing my response, my immune response and my blood glucose response to different carbohydrate sources. On an empty stomach, I would ingest 50 grams of net carbohydrates from a single food source. That's a boatload of carbohydrates. I had to eat like a giant bowl just to get 50 grams of net carbs when I tested beets, right? I had to eat so much food, it was staggering. Now, when I do my test, after two hours, now look at this oral glucose tolerance test. After two hours, they want your number to be below 200 milligrams per deciliter for you to be considered normal. When I do my test two hours later, I wanna be below 115. I actually want to be between 90 and 115. That's where I want to be for me to consider a food physiologically appropriate for me as a human being, okay? I want to be between 90 and 115. They're saying 200 two hours later. Think about it this way. I want to be between 90 and 115 two hours after ingesting nothing but 50 grams of pure carbohydrates. I want to be between 90 to 115. So a glucose spike shouldn't for me should look at between 90 and 115. By medical mainstream standards, 126 milligrams per deciliter is normal after eight hours of fasting. Zero food for more than eight hours. They want your blood sugar to be below 126. That's normal? What are we doing here, everybody? This is ridiculous. How is this even acceptable? What the hell are we talking about? This is not a healthy blood glucose level. This is not a healthy blood glucose level. This is not a healthy HbA1c level. This is absolutely staggering, right? What the hell are we doing, guys? It's crazy, okay? So I need you to understand that. In fact, when we look at these blood glucose levels, there's an amazing woman. Her name is Dr. Catherine Shanahan. Dr. Catherine Shanahan, if you've heard the name before, it's because she wrote this fantastic book called Deep Nutrition. Catherine was just featured on my buddy Paul Saladino's podcast. She explained when she was in medical school, normal blood glucose ranges were 65 to 85 milligrams per deciliter. This is considered normal. Under 126, anything under, under 100, right? Anything under 100 is considered normal right now in terms of fasted glucose. Like normal, you're under 100. It used to be between 65 to 85. In fact, a collection of over 100 papers shows that the optimal range for fasted glucose should be between 82 to 88, okay? So screw this number, this is insane. 126 is mental. Over 100 research papers show that it should be between 82 to 88 milligrams per deciliter. Yet anything under 100 is just considered acceptable now. Optimal range. What are we talking about? This is crazy. Somehow numbers nearly 20% higher than this are considered normal and acceptable by the mainstream medical standards. How the hell do we get these ridiculous numbers? That's what we're going to talk about. Now, mind you, anyone with these completely abnormal numbers that are somehow defined as normal, these people would fall into the category of a healthy individual. So, quote unquote, a healthy individual by mainstream standards can have absurdly high, ridiculous numbers. It's just crazy. So you see where this is headed? We're gonna continue here. So let's talk about where normal reference ranges come from. 
They come from the general population. Why is this a huge problem? Because they come from the general population who's fat, sick, and nearly dead. Welcome to America. Oh, and like we just talked about, 65 to 85, when Dr. Catherine Shanahan was in medical school, now anything under 100 is normal. These numbers, they change over time. Huh? That's weird, right? So meaning as the population gets sicker and fatter and chronic disease becomes more prevalent, the normal portion of these reference ranges gets worse and worse and worse. It's ridiculous. So disease becomes our normal state of being. Literally, I mean that literally. Disease becomes our normal state of being. We have blood marker levels that were once considered pathological that are now normal because our overall health as a nation has become so absurdly poor that we just accept it, right? Or on the flip side, normal numbers, numbers that were once normal, somehow become pathological. It works the other way as well. The best example of this is that the entire medical system blames LDL cholesterol directly for cardiovascular disease. That is the LDL hypothesis of cardiovascular disease, what everyone in the mainstream swears by. And yet, countless millions of people just kept dying from heart attacks, even with very, 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 very low levels of LDL, like super low levels of LDL, dropping dead of heart attacks. And guys like me have sky high off the charts LDL and robust metabolic health and incredible human performance. I'm thriving, everybody. Hate to break it to you with my very high LDL levels, okay? But what does the mainstream medical community do? Instead of re-examining their clearly flawed hypothesis, they just keep dropping, steadily dropping the level of LDL that is considered high to force it to fit their erroneous model of cardiovascular disease. All while millions of people die directly because of their poor information. Mind you, what are we doing, everybody? In the not so distant past, you needed to have LDL levels that were well above 300 to even get prescribed a statin. Then it became 250. Then it became 200. Now, I regularly get new clients that are obese, mind you, that need to come to me for help, new clients sign up for Clovis, and I find out that their dipshit doctor has them on a statin drug when their LDL is slightly below 180. What are we talking about? This is absolutely sickening, everybody, and this is how health in mainstream America is measured. This is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. The system is broken and the system is flawed. So I'm gonna show you how they do this because it's, I can't wrap my brain around it. I don't know if you're gonna be able to wrap your brain around it, but I'm gonna show you exactly how it goes, okay? So if you have a normal reference range of something, we're just gonna make this up. This is a random reference range for something. I don't know what that something is, all right? We've talked about glucose, we've talked about cholesterol, we've talked about fasted insulin, all these things. So let's say we have this, okay? Now this line, down here is low, up here is high of something, okay? We're measuring something, everyone. And then we have this bell curve of people. So this is what people have levels of this thing. Now, 
The way that people do this is they're gonna draw this line down the middle and then they're gonna do these things called standard deviations. You probably heard the term standard deviation before. So you might have like a plus one standard deviation. So this is one standard deviation. This is one standard deviation, right? So we have like line, standard deviation, standard deviation, and then you have two standard deviations over here. Now what you're doing is taking this plus one, minus one standard deviation, right? So you're taking this thing here Anyone that falls within this category, plus or minus two in terms of standard deviations, that's about 95% of people. So you just say, 95% of people fall here in this reference range, and that means that they're normal. That's it. That's where your reference ranges come from, everybody. What? Yeah. The reference ranges for your blood markers that are like the most important things for your overall health that tell you like if you're going to die and stuff. They really gave a lot of thought to this. This is really cool. Now, let's talk about why this is so terrible, right? You're just going to take all the average blood work from all the people and say, hey, uh, let's figure out where 95% of people fall and then that is normal, okay? We're going to call that normal. Just, just two standard deviations, whatever the fuck that means, Richard, right? Now, this is now normal. It's that simple, and it's a piss-poor model. It, clearly, this is a piss-poor model that you could possibly come up with for figuring out reference ranges. And the real kick in the ass is, how do we assess normal? How do we come up with these numbers? Where does the data come from? Where does this data come from? By studying the general population. But wait not just anyone from the general population. It's the portion of the population who gets more blood work done than anybody else. What type of people get their blood work done more than anybody else? Sick people. Sick people get more blood work than healthy people, <laughs> right? So we have this situation where all this data is coming from sick people, right? Sick people in America, fat, sick, and nearly dead. Average, status quo in America is terrible, okay? So this is where we're getting our reference ranges from, and these numbers change over time because as the population gets sicker and the, the big pool of data that we have gets bigger and bigger and bigger, but all the people within that pool of data are sicker and sicker and sicker and sicker, this normal becomes very fucking bad. Really bad. This is how this happens. What the fuck, man? Like, I don't know how to teach people this stuff. As the general population gets sicker, these numbers get worse. And I'll tell you, like, the worst example that I've ever seen of this was in my podcast with Dr. Anthony J. If you go listen to my podcast with Dr. Anthony J., we talk about early onset puberty in children. We're talking about little girls getting their period at eight years old, seven years old, and they're obese because of all these estrogenics that we have all throughout our environment and toxic products and in our drinking water and all these different things. She had these little girls with estrogen levels so high that they're getting their periods at seven, eight years old, right? How does the mainstream respond when they don't know the root cause or a solution to a problem? Well, they simply redefine it as normal. It becomes normal. In this case, they're actually suggesting lowering the normal, quote unquote, the normal age of puberty in children. They want to lower the normal age of puberty in children because they don't know how to explain early onset puberty. 
So rather than doing the work, identifying the cause of the root problem and solving it, they simply accept it as the new status quo. And the status quo in America is sick. Very, very sick. Not good in times of a global pandemic, everybody. What are we doing? This is what has happened in America with this blanket term, healthy. COVID-19 is killing healthy Americans. It's killing healthy Americans, everybody. No, it's not. It's time for me to trigger a lot of people. This is the part of the episode that's really going to piss people off, but I don't care because it's a visualization that you need to hear. So I want to point out a huge difference using a very rude and politically incorrect visualization. So what we're simply talking about here is two different phrases. No diagnosed disease. No diagnosed disease versus healthy. No diagnosed disease versus healthy is absurd. There is a giant gap between those two things, but this is what we do. We put these in the same category in America. So let me do a visualization for you, okay? Very rude and politically incorrect, but we're living in a global pandemic, so I don't give a fuck anymore, okay? There is a huge difference between these two. Somebody that is free from diagnosed medical conditions and someone who is actually metabolically healthy. So let's say you have me. I'm going to use myself as an example here. There's really piss people off, okay? I'm going to use myself as an example. You have me. You have another male who's 33 years old, 5 foot 8, Caucasian. We're the same, right? The difference is the other guy is 50 pounds overweight. But neither one of us have any underlying health conditions. We both have no underlying health conditions, right? You stand us next to each other. Me and the man who's 50 pounds overweight. Stand us next to each other and you make us both take our shirts off. Do you think that any human being with half a brain, scratch that, do you think that any third grader on planet Earth would look at the two of us standing there with our shirts off and go, hey, that one that's 50 pounds overweight with the glorious set of man boobs, he's super healthy because he doesn't have any diagnosed diseases. He's just as healthy as the other guy. No! What the fuck are we doing here, people? What are we talking about? We live in crazy town. We live in absolute madness crazy town. Yeah, I can't see another news story. A perfectly healthy 30-year-old male was struck down by COVID and they put his picture on the screen. He's got four chins. He's 60 fucking pounds overweight. Yeah. I'm sorry, I know that this sounds really insensitive, but this is, this is really damaging people. This is really, really poor information to put out into the world. Okay, really poor information. On the flip side of this, you have pictures of bodybuilders. This bodybuilder ended up in the ICU and look at him, he has a six pack. Ladies and gentlemen, I personally know professional bodybuilders that are type two diabetics. I know them. They have severe metabolic dysfunction. It's not just a matter of you have a six pack and you're healthy abs. That's why the shirt, this, the, the little example that I just did is ridiculous too. But it's pointing this out in a way that you can understand, right? We can't just sit here and say that all these people are healthy. 
We don't know that the guy with the six pack is healthy. We certainly know that the guy who's 50 pounds overweight is not healthy, right? We know that. We have to understand these things. We have to understand. No one's going in the ICU and they're taking their blood, their fasted blood glucose and being like, oh, this person with COVID-19 had 130 fasted blood glucose, right? This isn't happening. But we're calling these people healthy. It's ridiculous. It's madness, right? I don't know what to do. It feels like I'm living in a movie. Like I am genuinely like, combine this level of madness with the fact that I've used an extensive amount of psychedelics in my life and I'm sitting here going, we live in a simulation. We live in a simulation. This is complete and utter madness. I can't wrap my head around this, right? It's nuts. So we go through all this thing of where do the blood references come from? The blood references are nonsense. They change over time. The population gets sicker. The blood references get worse. The doctors swoop in and change what the new normal is and change the status quo. America has no idea what healthy is. No clue. And then that brings us to the real topic at hand, which is COVID-19. We got there, everybody. We arrived. We're going to talk about COVID, okay? So let's go. Now, COVID-19 risk factors. If you look at all of the places where we see higher than average per capita COVID-19 death rates, they are all hotspots of chronic metabolic disease, including hypertension and diabetes. Both are almost directly correlated with the number of obese individuals in those populations. So if you have a population that has a lot of obesity, a high prevalence of obesity in this certain population, there is assuredly going to be a high level of hypertension and type 2 diabetes in that same population, period. That's the way that it goes, right? Now, we have something that we didn't have prior to this AMA episode tonight. The entire reason why I decided to create yet another coronavirus episode is because we now have the largest U.S. study of COVID-19. And the title of this study, if you want to Google it, is Factors Associated with Hospitalization and Critical Illness Among 4,103 Patients with COVID-19 in New York City. Obviously, I'm not going to write that on the right on the whiteboard, right? So you can Google that. Factors associated with hospitalization and critical illness among 4,103 patients with COVID-19 in New York City. Again, the largest U.S. study of COVID-19 to date. Now, I'm going to tell you the risk factors. And then we're really going to break this down because the, the, the top one I don't even think is the real top. Re I'll explain, okay? So the number one risk factor is age. Being older than 65, that's the number one risk factor for required hospitalization, okay? The number two risk factor is obesity. So the number one risk factor is not actually a chronic condition. So we kind of take that off the board. Yeah, sure, okay, age is the biggest risk factor. But if we're talking about things that are controllable, meaning chronic conditions, okay, chronic conditions, the number one chronic condition is obviously obesity. Now, what's crazy here is we're not talking about hypertension. We're not talking about diabetes. We're not even talking about previous lung conditions. Just run-of-the-mill obesity, all right? This is the number one risk factor for required hospitalization from COVID-19. Now, I need you to understand the severity of this, so I'm going to include quotes from this study. Listen very carefully. Quote, for hospital admission, the most important feature was age, 
above 65, followed by obesity. It is notable that the chronic condition with the strongest association with critical illness was obesity with a substantially higher odds ratio than any cardiovascular or pulmonary disease, end quote. What? Let me repeat that for you because this is very, very important. You need to listen to what I just said and you need to let it sink in, okay? The second part of that quote, let this sink in. Quote, it is notable that the chronic condition with the strongest association with critical illness was obesity with a substantially higher odds ratio than any cardiovascular or pulmonary disease, end quote. What? For the respiratory illness, COVID-19, obesity is a higher risk factor for severe complications than pre-existing lung conditions. What? And people want to argue with me that metabolic health is not the number one issue right now. What are you talking about? That literally a study shows that obesity puts you at a higher risk of death from COVID-19 than previous lung conditions. That's how bad it is to be obese right now. Metabolic disease is that powerful. Okay, let's break this down even further. The reason why I say I don't think this is legit and I think this is super legit is because we know that the number one risk factor for required hospitalization and complications is being over age 65. Well, guess what? In America, people over the age of 65, a full 30% of them are obese. Number one risk factor, being over the age of 65. Number two risk factor, obesity, the number one chronic condition, and in America, over 30% of all 65-year-olds are obese. Hmm, wait a second. Do we have any third graders to connect the dots for us here? Can we please do this? Hmm? Somebody bring in a gang of third graders so we can sort this thing out better than the scientists that stand up on CNN. Now, what I'm saying is 30% of people are not just overweight, over age 65, they're obese. That is at least a full 30 pounds or more overweight. On top of this, I'm going to give you a crazy statistic. Did you know that obese individuals over the age of 55 in America have hands down the highest average expense per year for medical care for their pre-existing conditions at over $7,000 per person per year? $7,000, that's the average. That is the average for obese individuals over the age of 55. So through more people added in there, but over $7,000 mean expenses per year for obese individuals over the age of 55. Did somebody say comorbidities, everybody? Hmm? Did somebody say comorbidities? Could it be that part of the reason age is the number one risk factor is actually tied to the fact that obesity is quite prevalent, the number one chronic condition is quite prevalent in this same population of individuals who are at the highest risk. What are we doing? I certainly think that there's a connection there, but what the hell do I know, everybody? 
I've only been telling you this for over a month now. Seems weird, right? I'm crazy. Well, forget it. Don't worry. <laughs> Let's continue, all right? I'm not done yet, and I got time. I'm happy. Let's keep going. So other factors. We talked about diabetes, hypertension, obesity, right? All these things. Michelle's talking about it now, and Michelle's in the front line. She's an ICU nurse, right? So diabetes, hypertension, gout. So she's saying in Monterey County, the age is reversed, we had very few cases over 65, and most were in the age group 45 to 65. Obese, diabetic, and hypertension. Who would have thunk it? What are you talking about? No, that can't be possible, right? Okay, all, all the statistics point to it. It's quite simple. But anyway, let's dig in. So di diabetes, hypertension, obesity, and another one that people aren't talking much about is gout. All of these things point directly to insulin resistance, right? All of this. Insulin resistance. 88% of the population has some level of insulin resistance. What we haven't talked about yet on a Clovis podcast is that insulin signals in all immune system cells and tells them how to function. Insulin literally mediates the immune system response in the body. It's that important. If a human being is insulin resistant, it is likely that their immune cells are also insulin resistant. Now, I taught you this, I did an AMA called Hormones Finding the Balance, and I explained to you that what hormone resistance is, like insulin resistance in type 2 diabetes, is basically you have two iPhones, right? You have an insulin, uh, a hormone, right? So there's an organ, an organ over here. That organ is spitting out a hormone, right? And that hormone needs to go here to the receptor. This is, a brief, this is all an AMA, I don't know what number it is, but hormones finding the balance. Now, what happens, if you've ever been in a concert or something and turned your phone into airplane mode, well, this person over here is trying to text you and the text doesn't go through because you're in airplane mode, right? So this phone's in airplane mode. It's not getting the signal. It is not getting the signal sent from the organ. This, this hormone is not hitting the receptor. The receptor doesn't hear the signal and can't respond accordingly. This is what happens in situations like insulin resistance. The receptor is not getting the signal, okay? So insulin resistance in COVID can be terribly bad because the immune system cells are not getting the signal that they need to get from insulin because you're insulin resistant, so you don't respond properly. Literally, it's, it signals T cells, all the immune cells in the body, during bouts of inflammation and, yes, infection, they receive signals from insulin to do their job. And if they can't receive the signal, they're not going to respond appropriately. Okay? It's crazy, right? This is the same reason why immune-suppressing drugs are so bad right now. They're talking about this like people with lupus, let's say, are at a tremendous risk right now. Because in my world, somebody comes to me with lupus... We go on an extreme elimination diet and we remove all the inflammatory triggers and we try to correct this condition by dealing with the root cause. Mainstream medical doesn't do that. They say, oh, you have lupus. You have an overreactive immune system. We're not going to worry about where all of that systemic inflammation is coming from. We're going to give you a pharmaceutical drug to suppress your immune system. Wow, that's a bad idea, and that's what they do. So now we have people running around on these immune system suppressing drugs at a time of a global pandemic. This is very, very scary, okay? Very, very scary. So I'm sure you can see how dangerous this is in the face of COVID. Now, I'm gonna take this even farther, okay? So we talked about the overall risk factors associated with metabolic health. We've now talked about the poor reference ranges. We've now talked about um, 
uh, insulin resistance, insulin resistance role in the immune system, how big of a problem that can be. We're covering a lot of ground tonight. Now we're gonna go deeper because we have even more data that we didn't have over a month ago when I made my first piece of coronavirus content. So let's dig in. Here we go. So in death by coronavirus with COVID-19, 19 out of 20 deaths, that's a full 95%. 95% of all deaths are a result of ARDS. This is acute respiratory distress syndrome. So I'm gonna call this ARDS. So we have ARDS being blamed for 95% of deaths from COVID-19. Think of this as pneumonia on steroids. Really nasty stuff, okay? Now, here's the thing. Of people who suffer from acute respiratory distress syndrome, over 90% of those people have a pre-existing vitamin D deficiency. And this is data I got from one of the top longevity scientists in the world, David Sinclair, author of the book, Lifespan, okay? He is a world-renowned scientist. And he says that vitamin D is, in his words, VIP in terms of COVID-19. So 90% of people with ARDS, vitamin D deficiency. What? Vitamin D deficiency. And then we also know, people talk about this hydroxychloroquine stuff, like, oh, you've been treating with hydroxychloroquine, some people get uh, antibiotics, some people get high dose of vitamin C, but the big thing that people are talking about is the combination of hydroxychloroquine and high dose zinc, okay? This is a zinc deficiency, everybody. Zinc literally prevents virus replication on a cellular level, okay? Zinc prevents virus replication at a cellular level. Add a bunch of zinc back to the human and it can prevent the replication of this virus, okay? So the reason why I'm telling you this is we see clearly that micronutrient deficiencies seem to play a major role in the risk of COVID-19 complications, right? Vitamin D and zinc. Do you know what truly, truly metabolic healthy people don't suffer from? Micronutrient deficiencies. I harp on micronutrients all of the time. In fact, the entire Clovis approved foods list is literally optimized for the most micronutrients per gram of food that you ingest. I had Marty Kendall on my podcast from Optimizing Nutrition. We talked about the importance of micronutrient intake. I have been telling you for over a month, eat organ meats, eat beef liver, vitamin D, eat egg yolks, vitamin D, get outside, get 15 minutes of direct sunshine, vitamin D, right? I eat oysters. You could literally eat six oysters a day and get more than enough of your RDA of zinc or just take a zinc supplement, right? <laughs> eat whole foods, change the world. It's that simple, right? If you eat Clovis and don't have micronutrient deficiencies, you're gonna be in a better position than most people. I'm not saying it prevents anything. I'm not saying it cures anything. But do you see how unbelievably simple this is? This is ridiculously simple. Also, I don't know if you guys know this, but I wrote a free ebook called Combating Coronavirus with the five steps you should take to give yourself the best possible chance against coronavirus. Those five things, proper nutrition, proper sleep, nature, for the wonderful benefits of sunshine and fresh air, environmental hormesis, it's cold showers and sauna, and nutritional supplements. My opinion has changed zero, everybody. My opinion has changed zero. 
My opinion has changed zero. Look at this comment from Michelle. She is an ICU nurse. 99% of every patient I see in the ICU on a ventilator, even outside of COVID, has a vitamin D deficiency. Exactly. Michelle, you hit the nail on the head because this statistic I pulled, ARDS, yes, 95% of COVID cases are being blamed on ARDS, but this statistic here, 90% vitamin D deficiency, I'm talking about, about ARDS in general. So I'm not talking about COVID and ARDS. I'm talking about ARDS cases in the world over in general. 90% of them have a vitamin D deficiency. She's saying 99% of them as an ICU nurse. She's backing me up saying 99% of them have a vitamin D deficiency. But yet, after everything that I just ran you through, this whole episode and the four or five additional coronavirus episodes I've done with the free ebook that I've done, which is also available as a free audio book that I read to you, right? All this nonstop screaming at the camera, all of this passion, I assure you, people are still going to completely ignore the points that I've made here and go do their own thing. Well, Fauci said this, and CNN said this, and Fox News said this, and my Auntie Judy said that I can drink diet tonic water and I'm going to be safe from the coronavirus and I'm going to continue to eat pasta and drink sweet white wine every fucking night, right? That's not how it works, everybody. It's not how it works. I promise you, okay? But I need you all to understand. Make no mistake about it. I want to wrap this episode with this, and then we'll dig into some comments and questions. I need you to understand COVID-19 is extremely serious and it's extremely scary, but that is because over 88% of the population is at risk of severe complications from this thing. Of course, we are dealing with a terrifying thing when 88% of the population is at risk of it. These are the people that we love more than anyone in the world. This is not lost on me. Moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, even children who by no fault of their own are living with chronic metabolic disease. 25% of children in America have at least one chronic metabolic disease. What? What are we doing here? I'm not downplaying the severity of this, but it sickens me that so much of the population is at risk of this fucking thing. It's crazy. Sometimes I feel like I'm the only person on earth willing to stand here and say things exactly as they are week after week. Thank God for people like Dr. Paul Saladino and Rob Wolf and Dr. Anthony Jay and Dr. Ken Berry, all these guys that are consistently putting out good information on this topic and not letting the mainstream silence them. I promise you, I promise you, the very best thing you can do right now is share this with your loved ones. Make them see the light, okay? In all other circumstances, if you followed Clovis for any length of time, you know I constantly tell you, do not force your nutrition beliefs. Do not force Clovis on your loved ones. Don't try to force them to change. It doesn't work. Now, we're in a time of a global pandemic, and all that goes right out the window. You need to tell your loved ones that obese people are dying from COVID-19 at an astronomically higher rate than non-obese people all while junk food sales and alcohol sales are at record highs all time. It's mental. People are staying home, not exercising, not going outside, buying all of the junk food and all of the alcohol and eating it while laying on the couch, binge watching TV. That is what social distancing has done to people. These people don't know better because they're listening to the mainstream. They need your help. They need my help. 
Now is not the time to hold your beliefs in because you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings or eating brownies and you're going to make them feel bad. Fuck all that. You need to help people. You need to help people. You need to help people. You have a responsibility to help people. Understand that. I've never said this to you guys. In an AMA, never. I've never said, get out there and tell people this information. But right now, people are dying. And they are burying their heads in the sand and they are listening to the mainstream and they're going, I can still eat Twinkies because the guy on CNN said that healthy people die too, so I'm going to keep eating Twinkies. And they justify these ridiculous decisions. This is incredibly dangerous, everybody. Putting out bad information like this is staggeringly dangerous because it literally validates and justifies people's piss poor decisions to not go outside and walk in the sun, to not eat healthy food, to not exercise. What? just putting themselves at more and more and more and more risk of this thing. And guess what? Those of us that are healthy, we gotta deal with this social distancing bullshit forever while the rest of the world tries to get their fucking act together. It's ridiculous, okay? People gotta hear this stuff, everybody. Now is not the time to hold your beliefs inside. Stand up, stand for something, and give people this information. Do your part here, for real. Share this information. Yeah, a lot of people are going to be pissed. You're going to share this with a lot of people and they're going to go, that guy has muscles and he yells. He's arrogant. I don't like him. Yeah, well, okay, whatever. The message is the message, everybody. People either want to hear it or they don't. That's it. People want to bury their heads in the sand? Whatever. I don't know what to call that. I don't know what to call that type of willful ignorance. I don't know what to call it. I literally don't. I'm over it. It's ridiculous. At this point, people are grasping at straws, trying to find anything that they can cling to that prevents them from changing their lifestyle, that prevents them from feeling bad about the food that they eat, that prevents them from feeling bad that they're feeding their kids and their wife and their husbands and spouses, everybody, everybody feeding each other bullshit, right? And drinking alcohol every night, just putting their own family more and more and more at risk, right? Over and over and over, day after day after day, and all the while just pretending that there's nothing they can do. That's willful ignorance. Not having it. At Clovis, I teach self-awareness. That's it. Self-awareness is the lead domino for all sustainable lifestyle change. Self-awareness is the lead domino. You got to get people to be honest with themselves. You got to point things out to family members. Point stuff out. Okay, I can tell you right now, I have loved ones. I never bust their balls about nutrition. I am busting everybody's balls now. That is what I do. Sorry, I'm from New England. We say bust balls, not politically correct. <laughs> Ban me from Twitter. What are you going to do? Right? So I am busting people's balls. I am telling people exactly like it is. I have a lot of obese friends. I have a lot of obese family members. Right? And I am telling them exactly what is up right now. And I don't let them, usually I'll sit at the table and I'll listen to their excuses and this, 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 and that. And I go, no, this is a global pandemic. This is a global pandemic. And you don't know a tenth of what I know about the human body. And you're going to listen right now, period. Got it? Because I'm not putting you in the ground. I refuse to do that. Not going to happen. It's that serious, everybody. I hope this is the last piece of coronavirus content I ever have to make. I'm telling you, I'm over this thing. It's crazy. I don't want to stand here and do these videos every week about this thing over and over and over and over. And the arguments, keyboard warriors that don't know dick about dick when it comes to health and they want to say, <laughs> this guy's wrong. Okay, cool, whatever, right? 
We got to change things, everybody. We got to change. The, we got to change the focus of this thing. The focus is all wrong. Everything that everybody's focusing on is a complete and utter distraction, right? When you open up your Google app on your phone and you're literally seeing stuff about Trump's name is on checks. <laughs> what? 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 How is this news? What are we? What are we doing? This is mental, everybody. So I mean, just if you want to be sheeple and you want to be lemmings, just keep paying attention to what the mainstream feeds you. Or take some personal responsibility. Change your life for the better. Do it. All right? Anybody got any comments? Let's see what I got over here. Dave, what's up, brother? Thank you so much, man. Dave says, strongly recommend a coaching call with Justin. Huge benefit to everyone on multiple platforms. Just do it. Get better. Yeah, please do that. Also, uh, just so I say this out loud for the podcast, um, the free ebook is IamClovis.com slash coronavirus. All one word. I am Clovis.com slash coronavirus. Guys, I'm not kidding. This thing literally has no strings attached. You go to I am Clovis.com slash coronavirus and you download the free ebook. That's it. And then you read it and the information is free. I, I can't understand why this thing doesn't have 10 billion shares by now. Get out there and share this stuff. It's very, very important. Okay. I never, I never scream at you guys to share Clovis content. This is too important. Simply too important right? Sharon, this pandemic is a perfect time to change our lives. I couldn't agree more. I, it's, I'm healthier than I've ever been at this point. Like, I mean, granted, I'm very fortunate. I have a gym in my house. I have an infrared sauna. I have a freezer full of meat. But guess what? I planned my life that way. I built my life that way. Most of that meat in that freezer, I killed and harvested myself, okay? I know not everybody lives that way, but hey, it sure is paying off for me at this point, everything that I've done here to prepare myself for these things. What else we got? Okay, we got a bunch of comments up here. Let's see. Deanne, I will be signing up with you tomorrow. Yes, do it. That sounds awesome. Sharon, we've all been taught wrong for so many years. Glad I know better now. Lost 78 pounds. Not worried about my weight. Just want to be healthy. That's fantastic. And yeah, if you have 78 pounds to lose, body weight is a big part of it, right? Body weight's not the end-all be-all, but we got to take care of it when there is obesity um, at play, right? Off all medications, no asthma, sleep apnea, craving. That's fantastic. Congratulations. You're killing the game. That's so cool. Joanna, ha ha ha, I just tuned in and you're talking about standard deviations and I just had a PTSD flashback to my business statistics class. Yeah, that is not my jam either. That's not my world, but I just need people to understand where reference ranges come from. Sharon, I feel your passion. Thanks so much. Jackie, yes, the show notes are always awesome. The show notes, show notes will be killer. Joanna, just gotta go homeschool my children now. Glad that you're telling it like it is, even though it's somehow unpopular these days to tell the truth, right? Isn't that crazy? Why is it unpopular to tell the truth? the hell have we gotten into here all bodies may be beautiful but obesity is not healthy yes 100 you can be a beautiful obese person and not be healthy okay i don't know why those things can't be separated right like if i tell somebody oh man that person's 100 pounds overweight they're really not healthy that could still be a beautiful human being right i could think that a that a female who's 100 pounds overweight is beautiful also while not thinking she's healthy i'm not delusional and i'm not dumb okay what are we doing it's crazy Michelle, it's all exactly as you've been talking about. No surprises at all. Yeah, we've been, I've been saying the same things for over a month now, everybody. It's crazy. The first podcast I did on coronavirus was March 11th, and my message has changed exactly none. Thank you, uh, Michelle, for all the statistics about the ventilators, vitamin D deficiency, and all that stuff. What else we got here? Thank you, Dave, for the comments. Awesome, awesome. Accountability partner. John, favorite quote of the night. Oh, I just lost it. Favorite quote of the night. Keyboard warriors that don't know dick about dick. Yeah, guys, I'm always just going to be me. 
Let's be honest. I'm glad that I don't hold some fancy position or some ridiculous PhD credentials where I can get in trouble or lose some license or something. I am so over mainstream academia. It's not even funny. It's mental, right? What else we got? Michelle, I'm terrified of all the even more unhealthy Americans who will come out of shelter in place in so much more danger of getting COVID-19 in the second wind of exposure. It's not going away. A hundred percent. It is not going away. Okay? It's not going away. And people are just getting fatter and sicker and nearly deader. I just invented that term. It totally works. Fatter, sicker, and nearly deader. Right? Alcohol companies, junk food companies, they're killing it on profits right now. It's ridiculous, right? What else we got here? Sharon, Casey Todd is my daughter. Oh, awesome. I love Casey. Super cool. I would never have put that together if you didn't tell me that because of the last name, Sharon Roth. Casey lives your way of life. She doesn't preach. She just helped me get my life on track. That's exactly how you got to do it. And like you said, a time of pandemic is a perfect time to change your life, right? But a lot of people don't realize these things. A lot of people are very, very, very stubborn. I have people in my life who I've been living this Clovis lifestyle. Clovis is just the lifestyle I created for myself. I just started sharing it online. And that's what Clovis is. Literally, that's it. And, um, you know, I still have people in my life who don't eat anywhere near like I do. And they don't do Clovis. And right in front of me, they'll cook up nachos and melt cheese on top of them and shove it in their face. and don't care at all, right? All I can keep doing is just consistently, consistently, consistently living by example. And now, of course, as I get this information out there, family members start coming to me. Hey, I need help. Hey, I need help. There's one member of my family that has cancer now, right? And we got to talk about that. It's like really... All you can do is live by example. People are all on their own journey. And the more you try to force it, the less it's going to work, generally speaking. But that whole last 10 minutes of this podcast, what I'm saying is that when you have a global pandemic, you got to let the people in your life know that sometimes you have more information than they do. And they need to swallow their pride and they need to suck it up, right? Like I always say this, if I'm at a, if I'm sitting at a table full of a dozen people, those dozen people all have strongly held opinions on nutrition and those dozen people have no idea why they hold those strong positions. Like literally no idea. Have never seen one page of a biochemistry textbook in their entire lives. And they will sit there and they will want to argue with me about nutrition. So if we put this on the flip side, right? If I'm sitting at a table of a dozen people and I'm the only dueling piano player musician sitting at that table, do you think that they're gonna all start telling me the best way to be a dueling piano entertainer? Hey, Justin. You know, I've been doing some research and I think that when you're on stage and you're playing Don't Stop Believing," I really think that in the second verse, you should probably do this and you should ask the crowd to sing along and blah, blah, blah. Do people do that? No. But for some reason, when it comes to nutrition, everybody's got a fucking opinion and they don't know why. They have no clue why. The things that people have said to me about nutrition where I literally just close my eyes and take a deep breath. And I just kind of smile at myself and go, that's totally cool. Thank you for sharing that with me. And I just move on because it's, I can't even explain to them like what they're trying to do. This would be like if you took a person that doesn't speak Spanish and dropped them into an academic setting in Argentina and said, teach this class. That, that's the equivalent of what you're doing. Like you literally don't even speak the same language. And you're trying to tell me what you think about your opinions on nutrition. This is what family and friends do to each other. They all sit at the table and it's the blind leading the blind. I read this article. I read this article. I read this book. This podcast said this. <laughs> Nobody benefits from that, which is why trying to force family members to change really doesn't work. Guys, I'm the guy teaching you all this information. You have over probably over 250 hours 
a video from me teaching about everything from depression to hormones to leaky gut to fitness and everything in between, right? People still do this shit to me. They're of course gonna do it to you, right? It's crazy. So usually force doesn't work, but in the time of a, of a global pandemic, you gotta tell people to sit down and know their place and stay in their lane. You just gotta do it, I'm telling you. Aaron, I remember you saying that it is important to drink black coffee after a 13-hour fast before an hour walk to lose fat. Does the coffee need to be caffeinated? I don't tolerate caffeine well. Well, yes, that's the whole point. Um, so caffeine is a thermogenic, right? So the reason for that is it speeds up thermogenesis, which is literally the number of calories that your body burns while at rest. So, um, I mean, if you, if you like caffeinated coffee, cool, drink it. Um, I will also say this. There are a lot of people, I have met very, very, very few people um, who don't do particularly well with caffeine. Some people don't, like slow metabolizers of caffeine and everything. More often than not, what I find is that people drink really shitty coffee and they have a bad response to coffee. I actually talked about this with Anthony J. Certain really crappy coffee can cause an immune response in individuals for up to 48 hours. They can have this shakiness and jitteriness even long after the caffeine's out of their system. Like caffeine can stay in your bloodstream for like a maximum of 12 hours, right? Some people will drink one cup of coffee and 48 hours later, they're having poor, you know, they're having poor symptoms or whatever. And like, oh my God, that caffeine just killed me. Where if you were to draw their blood, there'd be no caffeine in their system. It's actually an issue with really crappy coffee or mold toxins or whatever kind of junk you can find in coffee. Like don't just go out and drink Folgers coffee or God forbid, don't drink Keurig coffee. Think about it. You're sending piping hot water through melting plastic and drinking it in a cup. And then people feel crappy after that. And they're like, oh yeah, I um, coffee. I don't do well with caffeine. That's a weird association. You, you might not know that you don't do well with caffeine. I mean, you could literally buy caffeine pills and take a couple of them and see how you do um, just for the experiment, right? And now I'm not saying you don't react poorly to coffee. Plenty of people react poorly to coffee as well, right? Plenty of, plenty of people, people react poorly to caffeine and coffee. So you very well might, but it's something to consider, right? Something people don't think about a lot. But after a 13-hour fast, if you drink a cup of black coffee and then you go out and take a walk, you're going to be burning more calories than you would have without that coffee in your system. Then get back, hop in an ice-cold shower, fat-burning furnace. That is a great little low-hanging fruit fat-burning hack for everybody out there if you want to burn some fat. All right, what else we got? Michelle, media, marketing, we are saturated with very bad information. We have TV shows made for drama teaching people about health and nutrition. It's fucking maddening. Yes, 100%. I don't know what else, I really don't know what to do. I don't know what to do, you know? I really don't, um, because you have the people at the highest levels, the Fauci's of the world, and you have to understand, like, I, I, it's highly doubtful to me. You're dealing with a massive inflammatory response from COVID-19, and you're dealing with chronic metabolic conditions, as you guys saw, as I outlined tonight, and I am quite sure that if you were to sit Fauci down and ask him how systemic inflammation happens and how leaky gut happens and how to fix it, I bet you he wouldn't know what you're talking about. I could be totally wrong about that. If I met Fauci, maybe I'd be wrong about that. But I'd be willing to bet that the higher you go up in the world of academia and this just blinders folk and these people, these people that are specialized knowledge, like I tell you, specialization is for insects. It's not for humans. You want to be a doctor, you better know endocrinology, you better know immunology, you better know all of how to read a comprehensive metabolic panel, you better understand cholesterol, you better understand fitness, you better understand environmental hormesis, all these things. But we live in this world, as Michelle will know, where you have a specialist for everything. Specialist in this, specialist in that, specialist in this, and they don't talk to one another, they treat the body as one thing, right? As one specific part, they don't treat the body as a holistic thing. It's ridiculous. This is what we've gotten to. The top experts in the world, their heads are up their asses farther than anybody else's. 
It's crazy. And they don't even realize it. And they're not even willing to, to think for one second that that could be the case. That's the real problem that we get into here. It's crazy. Dave, have you done the Biome seven-day cleanse or just the Pro and Prebiotics? Yes, I've tried every uh, Biome product under the sun. Just so you guys know, like every everything that I ever suggest to you or show to you as a product I have tried and vetted. I probably know the manufacturer myself. I probably know the owner of the company and I probably know the manufacturing facility that makes that product. So yes, I've done the Biome seven day cleanse. Paul, uh, Dave, you're probably, sorry where Paul come from, but Dave, you're probably referring to um, the recommended supplements that I sent you. Just so you guys know, if you're a member of I Am Clovis, there's a recommended supplements list and I have recommended supplements, particularly for something called leaky gut. Um, and there's Biome seven day cleanse in there. And yes, I have tried that product. Um, I don't like the word cleanse just so you know, but you know, everybody's like, it's like me with perfect paleo powder. I have to say certain things like, oh, this is a fat loss formula because otherwise people won't buy it. Right. So you have to use these catchy words like cleanse and all that. I don't like the word cleanse. It's just, a, it's a silly word. Right. Do you advise element electrolytes? I love element electrolytes. Yes. A hundred percent. Rob Wolf is a dear, dear friend of mine. Um, I have element electrolytes sitting right over there on the kitchen table. Um, I'm a, and I'm a firm believer in them. I love them. Absolutely love them. I tend to just make my own electrolyte drink with sodium, potassium, magnesium. I make my own drink each morning. When I'm traveling, I always have element electrolytes with me. Always my professional MMA fighter. I am a uh, nutrition coach for a professional MMA fighter named Pauline Petamasius. She's now sponsored by element. She's an ambassador of element. Fantastic product. Um, but I will let you know from the jump that uh, Clovis is launching an electrolyte product. I will have my own electrolyte product that you can buy from me. Um, so I would definitely recommend that one when the time comes, but we're probably a few weeks out from that. So there will be a product in the future called Clovis Essential Electrolytes, and it will be amazing because I have them here and I drink them and they're amazing. So <laughs> it's pretty freaking awesome. I'm excited. But anyway, uh, it's, what is it, 9, 9, 10 now? So thank you guys for hanging around. This is AMA 110. I hope this was very helpful. Um, I wanted to just kind of talk about general health before we drop the bomb of coronavirus and COVID and all this stuff. So uh, really, really glad that you guys were here for this. Thank you so much. Thank you for the meaningful comments. Thank you very much. And please share, share, share right now. Like literally, click the share button right now. If you go to your screen and click share, it will say you can share this to your timeline. Share it to your timeline. You can tag your friends in it. This is a public video. Click the like button. Click the love button. Click the happy face button. Click all those buttons. Aaron, no, electrolytes should be used every single day. I cannot express to you the importance of electrolytes in human just basic functioning. I, I do not go a day without electrolytes. That's why I travel with them. When I travel, I take in even more electrolytes. Um, yeah, I take in far, far, far more electrolytes than mainstream would tell you to take in. I probably take, take in 7,000 milligrams of sodium a day. And I'm not talking about sodium chloride, which would be table salt. I'm taking in probably 14 grams of sodium chloride table salt to get that 7,000 grams of sodium, 7,000 milligrams of sodium, right? So every day, every single day, I promise you, your life will change for the better. Um, but anyway, that's it. Dave, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. All right, guys, I'm signing off. AMA 110, Aaron. Just take them every day. Hit them every day. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it depends. If, you, if you're if you gonna exercise, yeah, maybe take some before exercise, maybe take some after exercise. I take them first thing in the morning. I, I get I get 1,500 milligrams of sodium first thing in the morning immediately. I get um, three grams of, uh, what do I do? I weigh out three grams of salt, three grams of magnesium, and one gram of potassium first thing in the morning. 
Um, I take electrolytes all throughout the day. Every time I have a glass of water, I sprinkle salt in it. I mean, I salt all of my food. Whatever you think you're doing for electrolytes, times it by five. There you go. That's generally speaking, people do not have electrolytes in their lives. It's a huge problem. It's a huge, huge problem, particularly when people are switching to a low carbohydrate diet. Um, that's most of the reason for the keto flu detox. People think it's a sugar detox. It's mostly an electrolyte deficiency. So load up on them. I'm telling you. Um, all right. So there you go. AMA 110. Thank you guys so much. I'm going to bounce out of here. Aaron, you're awesome. Thank you. You're awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you for the questions. It's always good to go over this stuff too. Like for sure. Like I talk a lot about electrolytes, but I love repeating this stuff, particularly when new people are on the live videos. So again, share guys. I don't see you clicking the love button or the like button or the happy button. Click the love button, click the happy button, click the like button, click the share button right now. Share it to your timeline. I want to see all the little emojis and engagement things popping up because this pushes it up the algorithm on Facebook and more people get to see this. Very, very important information. Okay. Thank you guys so much for being here. AMA 110. I'm Justin. I'm out. Be safe. I got a good thing somewhere, somewhere. But I closed my eyes and lost my way.